You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. The voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills will join us. Tee up the stars and Flames tomorrow. Recap that 4-1 win over the Blues last night. To talk about those aforementioned Dallas Stars, Mike Heike, senior staff writer, DallasStars.com on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, your sponsor with the basement says a Yankee living in Texas. Yes. You guys don't know how lucky you are to have basements. They don't have them here. They have concrete slabs. And really? I can't tell you how much I miss, I miss basements. I grew up in Michigan, and I lived in the basement. That was right where my bedroom was, and I, I really missed them. So, hey, you guys, take advantage of any uh, basement uh, space you have. Now, now, my, I'm fascinated by this because I love learning things on a daily basis. I think okay. it, it's it's one of the greatest things in life to do is try to learn something new every day. Why don't they have basements in Texas? I guess it's too expensive. The soil is very volatile down here because of the clay, and then you get a lot of dry and then a lot of wet, and so you know it moves mm. around quite a bit. Uh, that being said, we have parking garages, and the arena is half underground. And I think right. you just have to use metal metal structures uh, to keep it from moving, and I think it's just too expensive. And for oh. whatever reason, every house is on a concrete slab here. So okay. Uh, it, just the way it goes. Okay. Um, I, I, I love learning <laughs> stuff. Um, Mike. Basement what, trivia. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. Uh, after last year's playoff matchup between the Stars and the Flames, it, do, do you feel a bit of a rivalry when these teams meet? Is, is there a little extra juice when the Flames and Stars get together? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it, you know, all part of it is, you know, the the fact, you know, you you have played these teams before and I think in the conference, but all rivalries, I think, start in the playoffs. I mean, the stars had one with Edmonton for years. And I think they faced them six out of seven years in the playoffs or five out of six years. And, and that's where it all gets started. So, yeah, I, I definitely think the one, there is a little bit of anger uh, between the two sides. And two, I think there's a lot of respect. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, what Jake Ottinger did in Game 7, I think uh, Calgary respects that a great deal. And then, you know, what the Flames did and, and sticking with it. Uh, the Stars uh, definitely respect that. What has been the key to the Dallas Stars basically being able to run this thing back and, and lead the Central Division, Mike? It's been pretty impressive for them to go from a really solid first round and to really hit the ground running here in the in the following season. Yeah, uh, Pete DeBoer and his coaching staff has has made a huge difference. And it's it's funny to look at, you know, uh, Rick Bonus in Winnipeg and uh, Jim Montgomery in Boston and, and, you know, uh, and even Pete coming from Vegas where he was fired. Uh, Sometimes you just need a change of pace. I think these are all good coaches. uh, And either they get energized or the team gets energized by the change of venue. And uh, it's working here. Uh, What he brought to this team has helped so many different players just get a little bit more jump in their game. I mean, that top line is a great line, uh, but but they're outpacing themselves from last year. Jason Robertson obviously is 
one of the best scorers in the league. Mm-hmm. Rope Hintz is up there. Pavelski's hanging on. And then Jamie Benn has pretty much doubled his output. I think it was 0.54 points per game last year. It's up to 0.9 this year. Um, uh, Miro Haskinen has almost doubled his points output. And, and all of that, I, I, I think, is because of what Pete has preached, an aggressive system that uh, gives you the opportunity to shoot the puck more and potentially score more. And then the other thing is is the uh, two assistant coaches have done a great job with special teams, and, and that has helped significantly. I think they're top five in power play and penalty kill. Um, so that that makes a big difference, especially on the road, and they've been a very good road team this year. Can't get too far into the conversation without asking you about Jake Ottinger. He was the story for the Stars in the first-round playoff series, signs a three-year, $12 million contract in the offseason to keep him in Dallas for the next little bit, and hasn't really missed a beat, one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. Does the team play maybe a little bit more confidence when they've got Jake Ottinger in net compared to Scott Wedgwood, who's also having a really solid year as the backup? Yeah, they don't really play that much different, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, they, they Pete's done this, and it's, it's been interesting just to talk to the players. I don't – I mean, they scout, obviously, but I don't think they spend a ton of time on the opposition. They really concentrate on what they're doing, and because of that, they, they're fairly consistent in the way that they play. Uh, I just think Jake has been outstanding. I mean, you, you could make the argument – that they, they should have lost to Florida. They should have lost to the Islanders. And, and then the last game against the Rangers, they, they were actually probably the better team for, the, for most of the game. Uh, but so they, you know, there's two games where they get four points uh, that they wouldn't have got if it wouldn't have been for Jake Ottinger. He's just been that good. And uh, I was telling a friend, when you stand down by the ice, he looks like a tight end. I think he's six, listed 6'5", 220, <laughs> He's incredibly athletic. Uh, he's a first-round draft pick. He was, uh, you know, he's he has the pedigree, and then he also has the mental strength uh, to deal with everything he's dealing with right now. And and uh, you know, so far so good. He he really has just done everything he's supposed to do. Um, Mike, is Jason Robertson another example of how we're all pining for a best-on-best competition? Because you add Robertson to already a very stacked forward line for Team USA? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, and he's so funny in that, like, it doesn't look – it just looks odd, I think. I don't, I don't want to say it doesn't look great because it does look great. Um, but he's just – he's a little bit of an awkward skater. Um, mm. he, you know, he finds himself in, in different situations than, than maybe a normal uh, forward would. But then he also makes the most out of it. He wins puck battles. He shows up where the puck is at. You know, it'll just, you know, land on a stick in front of the net. Uh, Pete was funny because the first couple of months he was like, yeah, I I don't really know what it is that he does, but he does it really well. Uh, And I think he's starting to understand that that Jason's an incredibly smart player uh, and he works at his craft. Uh, He is out there, uh, Wedgwood, and him both live in the Detroit area in the summertime. And so they skate together. And Wedgwood says he kind of locates his shot almost like a pitcher locates his pitches. So he's out there, you know, just taking hundreds of shots in the summertime and, and finding different places to put the puck and put it there consistently. And he, he works on the muscle memory. He's 
oftentimes first on the ice, last off the ice. Uh, he leads a team. I got to look this up. I, I looked it up probably four games ago, but I swear it was something like 150 shots on goal for him, and the second most was like 96. So you know, 33 percent more shots than the second most guy on the team. He he finds a puck, he gets it to the net, and then when you look at some of his highlights, he makes just incredible plays that you don't that you don't think of. Hey, maybe I could do this with the puck. But he does, um, and he works at it. So, yeah, definitely uh, uh, I think he's waiting for it, and, and I think we're all waiting to see Team USA uh, with a pretty good roster there, I think. I wanted to ask you about the blue line as well for the Dallas Stars. Uh, John Klingberg exits. Niels Lundqvist brought in on a trade that cost a first-round pick, but looks like it's showing some early dividends for a former first-round pick who's only 22. And Miro Heiskanen's having another outstanding season. How have you seen the changes on the blue line kind of affect this team, primarily the departure of John Klingberg? Yeah, I think it might be the best thing that, that Jim Nill did in the offseason. They, they really actually wanted to keep Klingberg. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't find the number. And, you know, part of that was John was here for seven years and probably for the last three or four was underpaid. And so I think he really wanted to hit a home run, but his contract came up at age 30 instead of age 27. So they didn't really want to give him an eight-year deal at top money. And so they tried to negotiate and it just, it fell through. And, you know, I, they did the best they could, but, you know, they were left kind of holding the bag a little bit. And so as we went into the summer, uh, not only did they lose a really top-level defenseman, they lost one of their very few right-handed defensemen. And they were looking at uh, maybe six and one. I think Hockenthal was the only righty in, in the group. Um, and, you know, they had to go do something. And so Jim Nill found uh, Colin Miller. Uh, who had uh, been really good in Vegas, uh, but had stumbled in Buffalo. And I think they decided, look, this is a guy who can move the puck and still play good defense. And, and we can use a guy like this and we need another righty. And then just, and so that was their plan to go in with two righties and you know five lefties, which is still a little awkward. Um, and then just before the season started, uh, Lundquist had his little, I don't want to say skirmish, but, made it clear to the Rangers that he wanted to be traded. And so Jim Nill swooped in and probably overpaid a little bit for what people thought Nils Lundqvist was at the time. Uh, but Jim's logic was, we're getting a player who's ready to play right now. And if we take that next, you know, first round draft pick, you know, that player won't be ready to play for another four or five years, especially mm. a defenseman. Um, and so his thought was, this kid has something and uh, we think we can, you know, bring out the best in him. And he is, I mean, both him and, and Miller, you know, they have holes here and there. It's like Hockenpah. Hockenpah is a great deal, uh, but he does make mistakes. He does take penalties. But as a group, uh, they're really good. And mm-hmm. almost every night it's lefty-righty, lefty-righty, lefty-righty. And it makes a big difference in how you get the puck out of the, out of the back end. And uh, Elaine Nasruddin has done a really good job mm-hmm. of, you know, getting them to understand what he wants. And so, yeah, I, I, it, they've got a bunch of stories. I mean, uh, Mason Marchment, now he's getting paid big money, uh, but here's a guy who, you know, is getting a chance to, to play top minutes. And, you know, uh, if you look at Miller and you look at Lundquist, uh, same thing. He, these guys are getting chances they weren't getting last year. And, you know, it's very exciting uh, because they're very positive. 
Their teammates are very positive, and there's just a lot of positive vibe around this team right now. It's just kind of it rolls and, and keeps rolling, and, and you know I'm sure at some point they're going to have some hiccups. Uh, but they've dealt with adversity very well. They haven't lost more than two games at any point in time this year, uh, and that's been a, a big key for them. Just maybe another thought on Miro Haskinen. Uh, he's sixth across the entire NHL defenseman as far as time on ice per game. He sits 10th in points right now. He's had a, a really good offensive season with 31 points in 40 games. He feels to me like a guy similar to what we're seeing from Kale McCarr this year, where if there was maybe an opportunity for his minutes to drop down a little bit, if there was some other guys that could maybe take some more on that blue line, we'd see his points go up and as a result would maybe get a little bit more of a, a Norris kind of campaign going for him. He just feels underrated, and to me it's because he plays a lot of minutes because he needs to. Um, but I, do you feel the same way that maybe – he doesn't get the attention just because the points aren't there because he plays so much. Um, it's a good, it's an interesting theory because Jamie Ben has seen his minutes go down like one or two a game, and, and clearly that's helped his scoring. So I, I get that theory. Um, having watched Miro, I, I, he's just not a dynamic offensive player. Uh, it, it, he's a really good offensive player, but like McCarr is dynamic. Uh, Fox last night, he's dynamic. I mean, they, Miro doesn't do those things. And, and again, maybe it is because he's playing so much. Maybe he's conserving his energy. And uh, he's a hard guy to read because last year and the, you know, the couple of years previously, he seemed to kind of step aside to let Klingberg uh, lead the way. And, you know, there was some thought that when Klingberg was gone, that he would step up and, you know, try a few more things. And he's just he's just a very consistent player. And even when he was drafted, they said his defense was ahead of his offense. And then Pete has said, you know, since he's been here, he, he you know, he needs to work a little bit more to create offensive situations. Um, so it's, it's interesting watching him because I get I, I, everybody who watched him says he's an, an incredible all around defenseman, um, but he doesn't get the points. And, and even this year with his you know, numbers up, um, he just doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be one of the leading scorers. And so then it is hard to win a Norris trophy if you're if you're 10th in scoring or 12th in scoring. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does at this stage. Uh, he is much better defensively than he is offensively, and, and that just may be who the, the player he is. Uh, Mike, before I let you go, uh, what is the Dallas Stars' home ice advantage for a 1 p.m. start Dallas time tomorrow? Is it players going out in Dallas, living it up a little bit? Is there a home ice advantage for early afternoon games in that city? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it's a weird city in that the actual hockey fans are crazy. So that building will be full. That they'll be rowdy. They they sell out every game, um, and and that environment is pretty much what their home ice advantage is. But at the same point in time, you have the Cowboys, uh, Luke, uh, TCU football, and so the actual vibe around the city is is pretty quiet for a team that's leading its division right now. Um, I, I think the home ice advantage for them, and then the other weird thing is this will be the third one game homestand. So they go for two or three games on the road, come home for one game. 
They go for two or three games on the road, come home for one game. They go for two or three games on the road, come home for one game. So after this game, uh, they go out to uh, uh, Vegas and California. So it's it's just been really weird. They're almost like road games from the actual standpoint of team preparation. Mm. Uh, but the building is is crazy, and the people are very excited. Uh, who you know the Stars fans who are here, and they they only may be I don't know twenty five thirty thousand in the city, but they're very keyed and very excited about what's going on. So my guess will be the energy in the building will be the the key for them, and then the fact that they've only been here twice in the last. I don't know, 10 games, eight games. Uh, so they should be fired up to be on home ice. And in the afternoon, they just, they roll with it. Some games, you know, uh, they're a little bit slow out of the gate uh, and probably more afternoon games, but but most of the time they're, they're re- ready to play. Uh, Mike, uh, you're, on, you're on Calgary radio, so you're safe because I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> Are you secretly okay. rooting against the Cowboys so the Stars get a little more attention? Um. I'm fascinated by the Cowboys since I've been here for 30 years. Uh, I grew up in Michigan. Uh, I am a huge Detroit Lions fan. And so that's very painful. And yeah. uh, then, you you know, you don't mind when the team here, which is so cocky, it's like rooting against the Maple Leafs. Right. Uh, it's, an easy, it's an easy thing to do. Right. They try so hard. They think they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year. Uh-huh. Uh, they spend so much money. Their owner is a little bit, you know, a little bit cocky. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, uh, it is a little bit easy to, to say it's you, you don't mind when they lose. But from a start, standpoint it's not going to make a difference because okay. if, if they lose then the entire media will be about who's going to be the next coach and you know is, is should Dak be traded or I mean it's it's like it's like the Maple Leafs in Toronto they, they just dominate whether they win lose whatever right. uh, so it's not really going to change how the stars approach things much but yeah it doesn't hurt me uh, to see the Cowboys lose, so, uh, <laughs> go Lions. That's what I'll say. <laughs> uh, Mike Heika, staff writer, DallasStars.com. Mike, great stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow. All right, thank you. And he was on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Real quick, Jamie Ben, a Hall of Famer? Oh, man. And uh, by the way, the Hockey Hall of Fame is a bit of a joke, and it's super easy to get into. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Won the Art Ross Trophy, won some important gold medals for Canada at the international level. Three-time longevity, Longevity in his career. How many goals does he have in his NHL career? 330, uh, 300, oh no. 29, 329, doesn't seem like enough. 344 goals in 991 games. Uh, 806 points in 991 games. I don't know. I think he needs to get another couple years in. Not a first ballot guy for sure. No, definitely but not. But one of those guys who I think eventually finds his way? Eh, maybe. He feels like a cusp guy to me. Feels like he could get in, but, um, you know, if they win the whole darn thing this year, sure. But right now, like, you know, Couple of All Star nominees, third in the heart on ro- the heart voting. He did win the Art Ross, like you mentioned, but eighty seven points in eighty two games to win the Art Ross. Back when eighty seven points would it was a lot of money would win you was was a lot of points equals a lot of money in your contract. Connor McDavid is eight points shy of that, and we're just past midway. Yeah, 
because just, he is just so gross so and ridiculous. Um, straight ahead, Derek Wills, Flames play-by-play announcer for Sports at 960. I'm going to float my idea of having hockey in the Paris Olympics to Derek. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And uh, we'll ask him um, about the whole, is this still Jacob Marshram's team? And does that really matter? Talk about, we'll talk to Derek about that, recap the 4-1 win last night, and talk about Walker Dewar's first NHL goal, the first Shh. NHL goal for South Dakota. Shout out South Dakota. Yeah. What else is there in South Dakota? Land? I don't know. <laughs> Land? Land? I don't know. And then to wrap up the show, uh, you better think twice. You better think twice before you play pickleball. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. You want a quick story about this song? Yeah, hit me, Kick bro. Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. Turn up a little bit, JVP. GVP, not JVP. GVP. Um, in Orlando at Universal Studios, uh-huh. they have this roller coaster. Sure. And you literally pick a song from oh. what you want to hear while you're on the ride. Well, that's sweet. And I picked this one. And right where it like hits like... That's when the drop happens on the roller coaster. So, like, the song is, like, right while you're going around the roller coaster. Yeah. It's awesome. I love a good choreograph. Yeah, it is. It's totally choreographed. I love it. Sometimes they do the fireworks here, and if you put on the right song, like, during Stampede, yep. you put on the right song during the fireworks, choreographed. Um, That's something awesome you could do. Um, By the way, thanks to our text line, who are super passionate about South Dakota. <laughs> Like I I I don't know which I don't know what do you like Calgary or do you like the state of South Dakota more because there's a lot of passion out there's Mount Rushmore there's what else in South Dakota uh, there was uh, the Needles Highway which is very cool for a land formation the Black Hills Deadwood which is famous for its gold fields Mount Rushmore Crazy Horse Mountain but you know what George it's all land yeah it's true it's all land uh, Flames one. 4-1 last night against the Blues in St. Louis. To talk about that, he is the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Derek Wills. Hey, pal, how are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, great song choice to uh, welcome oh, yeah. you to the show. Are you a roller coaster saw... guy? Nah. <laughs> when I used to live in Ontario, you'd, you'd make the uh, semi-annual trip to Canada's Wonderland. It's true. Yeah. Which... Uh, we don't have anything like that out here. Hmm. There's no, no amusement what, park you've never nearby. Been to well, is... You've never been to Callaway Park, Derek? Come on. I, I drive by it every day. That is not Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> oh, okay. It It, it is a, a good spot for the kiddos in the summer, I suppose. But hey, I saw Motley Crue, yeah. Def Leppard, Poison, oh, and Joan Jett last summer. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, Great show. How many acid wash jeans and mullets did you see at that show? <laughs> I saw a lot of things at that show. <laughs> <laughs> how many? It IVs? reminded me a little bit of Woodstock '99. It was so hot at Commonwealth Stadium, they ran out of bottled water. It was like Woodstock '99. It's all because over again. people were spitting out the water because it was Dasani. <laughs> It could be it. I'm not sure. We, t- we talked about Dasani water earlier on. And why it's bad. Yeah, where where does Dasani water rank in your ranks of bottled water, Derek? Uh, I haven't thought a lot about that, George. Yeah. See, um, but this this is what I bring to the table. What, what do you mean? Stupid, inane <laughs> chat about bottled water. Uh, you know what? It's uh, wet, so when I'm thirsty, I drink it. Yeah? 
Okay. Yeah. You seem like a Fiji guy. Do you like smart water? What, like, what are we talking about right now? Well, see, the reason why is because uh, there's a video of Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer last night taking a sip of Dasani water, <laughs> making this like uh face and putting it down right away. That's how we got to talking about it. I, I will give you this. Some waters do taste better than other waters. Yeah. But I, I haven't thought a lot about which waters those are. I, I don't generally drink just plain water. I'll drink it when I'm calling a game. Okay. But uh, I have these little crystal light things that I squirt into my water at home. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. I, I, water is water. It's boring. Yeah. So I, I need to spice <laughs> it up a little bit. Um, when you're calling a game, is there anything better than calling a guy's first NHL goal? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm sure the state of South Dakota uh, is proud of Walker. Don't besmirch the good name of South Dakota on this show. I am anymore. not. I okay, am not. I'm just saying. He, uh, Text lines he upset. The first South Dakotan to score a goal in the National Hockey League. And it was good to see last night. And it was a big goal for the Flames because that was a really good hockey game. And I would say as close to a full 60 minutes as the Flames have played this season. And it's funny. For some reason, and I know it's your first year in the city of Calgary, George, but for some reason, the perception of the team this year is really negative, and I don't quite understand it. I know that this year's team isn't last year's team, but they're only five points off the pace that last year's team set. Now, with that said, uh, last year's team went on a 10-game winning streak from games number 40 to 49, so it's going to be tough to, to maintain that pace, but... Even look at this road trip. A couple of tough losses, no doubt about it. You're playing a Blackhawks team that's last overall and without their best player, Patrick Kane, and you should get two points and you only get one. You're playing a Blues team that's without five or of their top six or seven defensemen. You should get two points and you only get one. But beating the same team in back-to-back games, especially when those games are in their building, that's tough. So to get a split in St. Louis, that's not bad for the Flames. And all of a sudden, they've got four of a possible six points to start this five-game road trip. And that goal by Walker Dewar, the Flames needed it because they were playing a good hockey game and they weren't getting rewarded for it. So you know, you jump out in front one to nothing. And outside of the start of the third period when they gave up that early goal, I have no complaints about how the Flames played last night. They were able to roll four lines and roll three pairings to get good goaltending. That was a complete effort. I I really like that hockey game for them. Derek, I got one tiny complaint, and that's um, why does this team struggle so much doing line changes this year? Like, you talk about the Walker-Dewar goal. It's a great goal, but really, without Chris Tanev totally bailing them out on another brutal line change that would have led to a chance from the slot... That opportunity never begins for Caudry and Dewar and Lewis. And I don't I just wonder if you've noticed the same thing that it just kind of feels like line changes are super sketchy this year. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, I've noticed it. Uh, it's hard not to notice it with the number of uh, too many men in the ice penalties they've taken this season. But it's actually a really good question, Matt, and one that uh, one of us should ask Daryl Sutter. And uh, if no one asks him while the team is on the road, uh, I'll try to get to it when the team gets back <laughs> to Calgary. They've got another home game coming up next Wednesday. But you know what? I think it's a fair question because there have been uh, a lot of bad changes. I don't know where the Flames would rank in the yeah. NHL uh, when it comes to bad changes, but uh, it is something that has popped up for this team and they're going to have to clean up moving forward. There's no doubt about it. 
What have you made of the way that this team has been able to kind of roll lines? Because I really feel like since they've kind of set things in place and Walker Dewar's come in and out on the fourth line, but for the most part, the top three have really stayed the same and allowed them to get some chemistry. We're starting to see them really cohesive on the forecheck, led to a couple goals against St. Louis. You like how the top nine are starting to gel right now? I thought they got good performances from all four lines last night. Uh, I mean, you, you look at that fourth line, and there's been guys in and out, and they're relatively healthy right now outside of Brett Ritchie up front and uh, being without Oliver Shillington on the back. But you looked at Walker Dewar's performance, not only last night, but in the first game against the Blues. I thought he was good in his role. I think Trevor Lewis has been really good in his role this season. He has been as consistent uh, playing a fourth-line role as anybody has been playing their role on this team. And uh, Adam Ruzicka, I'm having a tough time evaluating him right now because he's gone from being a first-line player to a fourth-line player, and that means you have to be a different type of player. I thought he was a little bit better last night than he's been of late, but you know that fourth line was one that Daryl Sutter felt comfortable using last night. So that gives you the ability to roll not just your top nine, but uh, all 12 of your forwards. But the, the top nine, for the most part, has been good. Uh, leading the way of late has been the line of Michael Backlund, Andrew Majapani, and Blake Coleman. And I thought they were fantastic again last night. But I didn't love what I call the first and second lines uh, in the first two games of the trip. So the line of Elias Lindholm with Dylan Dubé and Tyler Toffoli, which has been the Flames' best line since it was put together, uh, I didn't love them in the game against the Blackhawks or in the first game against the Blues. And Daryl Sutter kind of challenged them going into the rematch last night. And I think it's safe to say they responded as uh, they put up uh, a bunch of points and uh, were an absolute uh, terror to deal with. And then the second line with uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, I, I thought that line was a lot better last night as well. And uh, I did wonder if they might uh, make some changes to that line, but they didn't. They left Milan Lucic on the left and Jonathan Huberto on the right, and I thought they were a lot better. And uh, as we've talked about, uh, the Backman line was really good and the Ruzicka line was, was good. So uh, they rolled four lines last night, and uh, they rolled three pairings last night. It was really good to see because that's how this Flames team is built. They're not top-heavy like the Oilers or, or like a lot of teams in this league. And if the Flames are going to be successful, they're going to have to use their depth because they don't have a generational player on their roster. So uh, last night for me was a bit of a blueprint blueprint game guys because that's how the flames have to play to be successful and uh, they played it for pretty much a, a full 60 minutes against the blues Derek wills is the play-by-play -play voice for the calgary flames on sportsnet 960 joining us here on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline are we talking too much about crossbars and posts or not talking enough about crossbars and posts well, you're not talking enough about them unless you're talking a lot when it comes to Tyler Toffoli because uh, he leads the team in crossbars and goalposts hit this season. Uh, the Flames haven't had a lot of puck luck at times. I do think there's something to be said about uh, making your own puck luck. And when you play the right way, you, you tend to get the bounces. And uh, at times the Flames have played the right way and not got the bounces. At times they haven't played the right way and not got the bounces. So I think it's you know, fair to say that they've probably not had their fair share of puck luck, but those things do tend to even out over the 82-game regular season. So maybe they'll get more puck luck in the second half than they uh, had in the first half. But you know, Tyler Toffoli has definitely been snake-bitten, and he hasn't been the only one. I would say prior to 
finally scoring. Andrew Mangiapane uh, couldn't seem to catch a break either. But again, those things tend to be cyclical. So uh, hopefully the Flames uh, hit less goalpost and mm-hmm. crossbars. It, it does feel like they've hit more than their fair share, doesn't it? It sure does. Manjapani breaks that 12-game goal streak, and then he promptly rings two off the bar yesterday. Dylan Dubé also breaks a nine-game goal streak with a couple of goals. So that was good to see. Tomorrow, it's the Dallas Stars. It's a matinee tilt. What do you think we're going to see for perhaps a rivalry, bitterness, all stemming from the first round seven game series that these two clubs played uh, not too long ago. Yeah, I think there'll be a little bit of carryover. I, I mean, the best way to build a rivalry with a team is to play them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I wouldn't consider the Stars to be one of the Flames' biggest rivals, but there have been a couple of postseason series. You go back to uh, the uh, bubble, and we saw a Flames Stars series there. And last year's series was phenomenal, thanks uh, in large part to Jake Ottinger. I mean, that series doesn't get to a seventh and deciding game if the Stars' goaltender. Uh, doesn't play out of this world and you know he was really good and I don't think Jacob Markstrom gets enough credit for how good he was in that series but guys I don't think we're going to see him tomorrow afternoon Uh, I think Dan Vladar has earned another start and uh, I am not one of the people who believes that uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, is no longer this team's number one goaltender you know he has certainly had his ups and downs this season and more downs than he uh, would like to have and Obviously, he was really upset after getting pulled uh, 35 seconds into the second period uh, against the Blackhawks on Sunday. And then he was really upset after the first game against the Blues, smashed his stick on the dasher boards, smashed his stick again going down the tunnel. We're we're seeing some body language. Uh, We're hearing some things from Jacob Markstrom this season that we haven't heard before. So maybe he needs a little bit of a mental break right now. And with the way Vladar has played, He's picked up at least a point in nine consecutive appearances for the Flames. Uh, I think he likely gets the start against the Stars tomorrow. And it's a big game for the Flames. I mean, there's going to be a lot of big games going down the stretch, but especially games against, well, specifically Pacific Division teams, but also Western Conference teams that they're fighting for a playoff spot with. And at this stage, the Stars aren't one of those teams because they've had such a good season. But I think there will be a little bit of carryover from that playoff series. And, you know, the Stars have taken a massive step forward this season. Uh, You know, last year it was tooth and nail for them. This year, uh, one of the best teams in the Western Conference you could argue, led by Jason Robertson, who has just become a a fantastic player. So I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, If the Flames play the way they played against the Blues, not in the first game, but in the second game, they can beat any team in this league. And I think that's how they're going to have to play against the Stars tomorrow. I think we're all in agreement that Dan Vladar is probably going to be in line to get that start tomorrow, Saturday afternoon against the Dallas Stars. But we've been asking uh, the listeners this morning, and, and answers have varied for sure, But the question begs, is this still Jacob Markstrom's team? Well, I don't think it will be tomorrow, but I I do think it's still his team. He is an elite goaltender when he's right. And here's the other thing. And I have nothing that would allow me to quantify this with numbers. Doesn't it feel like the team has played better in front of Dan Vladar than it has in front of Jacob Markstrom of late? Uh, Sometimes, but... uh... I, I have a hard time linking the two myself. Fair. Uh, it just it kind of feels that way. Again, I, I can't quantify it. But ultimately, guys, if the Flames are going to get to where they want to go and their first goal is to make the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second straight season, 
the guys are going to have to be consistently better in front of both goaltenders in the second half of the season than they were in the first. I think about the two games versus the Blues, and, and for me, it's such a great example of that because in the rematch, the Flames forwards and defensemen played at such a high level that they made life easy for their goaltender. And that's not to take anything away from how Dan Vladar played last night. He was really good, and I'm not sure the Flames win that game uh, without how he plays and specifically how he plays in the first period. And when the game was still up for grabs before the Flames finally pulled away from the Blues in the third period. But if you go back to the first game between the two teams on Tuesday night, I, I think you guys would agree that you know the 12 forwards and six defensemen we're a bit of a mess in front of Jacob Markstrom. Right. Um, Derek, before I let you go, I'm going to give you 90 seconds to sell us on how Skylar Thompson can keep things close for the Dolphins against the Bills on Sunday. I don't need 90 seconds, George. He can't. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. that's good. Like, oh, no. You, you know what? I, I, it actually, I don't know if it makes me mad or sad. It probably makes me both. I am a lifelong and long-suffering Miami Dolphins fan, and it honestly makes me want to cry. Like, they finally get back to the playoffs, first time since 2016, just the second time in 14 years. Life, for me, as a football fan, has been miserable since Dan Marino retired. You know, 20-plus starting quarterbacks. This season, they finally have what looks like a really good team, and we see flashes of that in the 8-3 and three start, and even at times since then. And now they're without Tua Tungabailoa, their first legitimate franchise quarterback in my opinion since Dan Marino and who knows if he'll be back if if the Dolphins pull off a miracle and that's what it's going to take for them to beat the Bills on Super Wild Card weekend I don't know if he'll be back for the divisional round probably not it feels like everybody wants to just shut him down for the season and and maybe ultimately long term that's the best thing to do but they have no chance with Skylar Thompson unless the Bills beat themselves I don't see how the Dolphins mm. can beat the Bills. The Bills are getting healthy at the right time. They've got an elite quarterback in Josh Allen, an elite wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. They've got a really good defense. I, I just, the, the only formula I can see for the Dolphins is the Bills turning the ball over a bunch of times. Uh, the Dolphins getting a really good game from their defense, uh, probably getting a turnover or two on defense and and not turning the ball over on offense. Because I think if, if you just, try to put together a traditional game plan, guys, the Dolphins might have to run the Wildcat offense. Oh, boy. <laughs> and just stun the Bills and stun the world uh, by doing that uh, to beat them on Sunday. So I have no hope, which in a way is a good thing, yeah. because I won't be as disappointed okay. when they lose as I would have been if Tua had been healthy and uh, Teron Armstead had been healthy. It just feels like they have no chance, which is a shame, because I think with Tua and with Teron, they could beat the Bills. They they beat them in game one of uh, the season and uh, gave them a good run in game two. Probably could have won that game, maybe mm -hmm. should have won that game, but they're not healthy and the Bills are, and the Bills are really good. And uh, my pick to win the Super Bowl at this point, it feels like it would be a really good story with all that's yeah, happened with the Bills and DeMar Hamlin. Uh, Derek Wills is the play-by-play -play voice for the Calgary Flames right here on Sportsnet 960. Derek, always great stuff. Enjoy the call tomorrow. All right, have a great weekend, guys. And there's Derek Wills, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Dine-in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. we got a couple minutes to go here. I've been teasing this pickleball story 
all morning. What is this? Um, are you have you ever played pickleball? No. I uh I've played a ton of tennis in my life. Yeah. I love the sport. I've picked up a racket the last two years. I have never played the pickleball. I want to try it because if you play tennis, you can play a lot of the other racket sports. Sure. That's essentially how it works. Sure. I think. Great. So I would like to try pickleball. But after what I read this, maybe I want to think twice. What's happening? So according to um, the Southwest News Service. Okay, it sounds legit. A, quote, super fit dad, 35-year-old Joel Hendrich, was playing some pickleballs with some buddies in Missouri. Super fit. Super fit. Oh, the show me state. Yeah. Um, yeah, the stab me state. Uh you do that. So apparently he was he was he's a native of Festus, Missouri, and he was playing pickleball with his pals. So there was an instance where uh he was going after a ball and he turned really sharply to the left with his head and uh-huh. his neck. Uh then he quote heard uh a pop in the back of his neck after quickly turning left and trying to track the ball. All of a sudden, quote, the ground went from underneath me and I ended up with extreme nausea and I was projectile vomiting. There was a tingling on my left side of my face, hand, and part of my leg. They called the EMTs, the ambulance, right away to take uh, my man over here, Joel, to the hospital. Apparently... He turned so quickly with his neck to the left side that he triggered three strokes in his lower cerebellum no. because he dissected his artery in his neck. Oh! oh. And the lower cerebellum, sorry, cerebellum is the portion of the brain responsible for co- coordination and movement. He triggered three massive strokes and somehow survived and he's going to make a full recovery playing pickleball, snapping his head really quickly to the left. How quickly did he snap his neck? Enough that he heard a pop and then hit the ground and then suffered three strokes simultaneously. Whoa, that's serious business. So Um, when you're playing pickleball, do not snap your head to the left and or the right. Just let it go. Yes. Just let the point fall. That's probably good for any sport if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. This is a fit man. Yeah. Quote, super fit dad. Whoa. But almost ate it playing pickleball in Missouri. Yeah, my complaints about the game being a little bit too loud seem a little... Yeah. Those feel unimportant. Uh, I have my first ball hockey game tonight. Yeah. 10 p.m. So what are you going to do to prepare? Are you going to stretch? Are you going to go down to your gym and do a little bit of a run before during the day? A nice little morning skate for you, per se? Uh, Julian McKenzie from The Athletic (laughs) is picking me up. Have your gloves and your stick on the treadmill in your gym? be that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Julian McKenzie's picking me up. We're going together. I'll have a full report on Monday. All right. As the Royals play our first game of the season. I have a team named the Royals. I have Real Beer League on uh, Sunday. What does that mean? It's on ice. Real Beer League. It's on ice. It's real. It's real. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why you besmirch ball hockey so much. Hockey is supposed to be played on ice. Okay. What about on a field like it was originally played on? That's not even a real sport. Okay. I do like the part where there's a penalty and then they have to rush and put on equipment to block the shot. It's the dumbest thing ever in field hockey. Didn't even know that was a rule. It is. (laughs) That sounds um, dumb. <laughs> uh, you should apologize to ball hockey, much like we should apologize to the good state of South Dakota. Uh, that's it for us, but I'm not going to. That's it for us. <laughs>
We'll talk to you Monday. Enjoy the football. Enjoy oh, the Flames game. I was, I was going to apologize, I, but we're out of time. Unfortunately, I am working next week. I'm not off, but we'll talk to you Monday. Bye. <laughs>